man. I always have to be careful hugging you. I want to go full tilt, and then it always knocks the microphone out, so it's, like, never good. Um, yeah, we're just going to go after some stuff tonight. And uh, just interesting that Derek and the band chose that part of the song that um, you make all things work together for my good. And if there's belief in this house according to that faith, then we, we're going to see God just deliver some people of some things. And I do truly believe, too, just uh, equip you guys with some tools of people that maybe are in your family or neighborhood or just in your surrounding area that need tonight. So I'm just going to jump right into a text. It's, a, it's probably a familiar uh, scripture that most of you guys know. But there's a lot of things that God wants to reveal about his heart and about the kingdom uh, through this passage here tonight. So in Matthew 18... Verses 21 through 35, there's a familiar story that Jesus is talking. And we know a lot of times Jesus talked in parables and there's so many life lessons and, and nuggets if, if our eyes are opened and our ears are open to hear and to see the word of God. And it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So that's kind of the equivalent of over a million dollars for us. I don't know many people that are walking around with bags of gold. Uh, perhaps that's you tonight. So it could be a million dollars. And so it was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and screamed out, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So that could be about the equivalent of maybe a couple hundred bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Familiar words. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to jail as to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Has anyone in here just by a show of hands had anything happen to them in life that you had to forgive someone and it was incredibly difficult to do so? Just anybody? Okay, so <laughs> talking about you're not alone. That's about pretty much everybody in this place. Uh, my wife and I, we, we walked through a very, very difficult situation, and some of you guys may know the story, but some of you may not. But 12 years ago, um, it was our first opportunity to have a child, and it was so exciting for me as a dad because immediately I got my boy. And so if any of you dads have, have a boy, you know that moment. You're like, I'm going to live my whole life through this child. This is my moment. Right? And so you're super excited. And, of course, you always plan for everything to go great for 40 weeks, ultrasounds, tests. Everything was great for our son, Trace Morgan Jackson. Here's the moment. My wife pushing the labor for 16 hours. And then the moment that is supposed to be met with elation and joy is met with horror, shock, and fear as we realize very quickly that something was wrong with our son. A child that looked perfectly on the outside, internally, the whole left side of his heart did not form correctly. And so his ventricle... And his atrium on the left side was atrophied 
and there's no blood flow going through it at all. As a matter of fact, his trachea and his esophagus were fused together. So a boy that looked perfectly externally was quite messed up internally. So you can only imagine the, the shock and the horror of a family when things don't go as well as you planned and you have these dreams for your life. And our son, he was on this journey, and my wife and I, we went through this journey of 36 days. 36 days were the days that were numbered for him here on this earth, and he now is in heaven, and we have two beautiful kids. But the moments and the days that transpired after that did not look like what we thought they would. Because we tried to walk the journey like every other Christian, and we tried to say, to God be the glory, and we saw all the lives of people that were transformed through the result of this little baby. There were 1,500 people as memorial service. Countless people came to the Lord as a result. And so in our spiritual mind, there was justification for his life here on earth because as human beings, everything has to make sense to some degree, right? And so we use that as justification, and, and that was true. Until we heard two months later, as we had the autopsy, and we sat across from the chief of cardiology in Miami Children's Hospital, world-renowned cardiologist, travels the world and performs surgeons, surgeries, and he admitted to us in that moment, because of relationships we had formed with him, we're so sorry your son died because we had made a mistake. So at that moment, all the justification, all the things that I personally had said, all glory to God, that shattered my whole paradigm. God, where were you in this moment? I don't understand. And that sent me personally on a whole trail of many years of not processing grief, of not processing my pain, but most importantly, not processing my unforgiveness towards the surgeon, the situation, and I'm going to be real, my unforgiveness towards God. And so years transpired of bringing pain, not just upon myself, but incredible pain to my wife, incredible pain to my loved ones because of where I took my pain and where I took seeds of unforgiveness. See, but the reality is this, is that Jesus Christ teaches us all throughout the word that he desires to step into the brokenness, into the mess of our lives because that is where his glory is displayed. That is where his honor is displayed. That is where his power is displayed. And there is nothing like this world for people who have every reason to harbor forgiveness, unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment to say, oh, no, I choose God instead. Because that doesn't make sense to the world. The world does not understand how a mother who loses a child to the hands of a drunk driver, can then go to that driver and say, I forgive you. But that is the kingdom of God on display in reality when the spirit of God fills us up so much so that we can move in places that are counterintuitive and contrary to the way of this world because that doesn't make sense. And so tonight we're going to look at two choices that we have in reality, to unforgive and then to forgive. See, I think when we look at the servant here in Matthew 18, because we say, how in the world? I mean, dude, there was like a million dollars that you owed, and the master said, I will have patience with you, and I will forgive that debt. And then he immediately goes and finds somebody else that owes him like $150 and like, yo, give me my money. That doesn't make sense, right? And so the reality is this, that if that servant had the wrong perspective, that he is going to respond with wrong actions. And see, something that Jeff and I talked a lot about and other people talk a lot about this, Andrew Womack, different people, but talk about putting yourself in the stories of the Bible, putting yourself in the scenario. And so for me, when I look at that, and that doesn't simply make sense, it, it maybe could be that the servant had the wrong perspective of the debt that he owed. It could be that the servant thought, it is ridiculous that this master would impose this kind of a debt upon me. That he would somehow say that I 
owe him my wife and my children and all that I have. How ridiculous of the king to require this of me. It could be that he had an erroneous mindset or perspective that the king is not a good king. And I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life that I have lived with the incorrect view of God, therefore responding and living out of ungodly beliefs that create an improper perspective in my life, which then creates improper living. And I don't know about you, but there's been many times that I have not lived under the reality of understanding how incredible the gift of God that he would send his son Jesus Christ for a beautiful, ugly, jacked up wretch like me. Amen? And I think a lot of times we need to be reminded of the greatest gift and the sacrifice of what Jesus Christ did for us. Because then our response is simply, to you all I owe. I surrender all as possible when we live with the reality and the remembrance of all that he did. And I think the servant was operating from an improper perspective. Because it says that he went out immediately and found someone that owed him money. See, he held a grudge against his fellow servant that he had not forgiven. Because guess what? It didn't take him too long to find that servant, did it? Right? So what that tells me is that there's resentment and bitterness. Because what the world tells us is that when somebody wrongs you, it's okay to think about it over and over again. You're justified to get angry every time you see that person and you have to go to your mother's house. It makes sense that you would continue to not forgive her because of what she did for, to you 15 years ago. It's just like, anybody remember the old, the old tapes, like cassettes? I'm just showing my age now. I grew up with cassettes, okay? And you put them in the, the little record player, the cassette player, and you're you jamming out to your tunes, and all of a sudden, right? Messes up. So you open it up. The kids that are here, they're like, what is he? Wow, wow, what's he talking about? Don't worry, he'll explain it to you later. Messed up, it doesn't work anymore, so you take the tape out. All like the, um, I don't even know what it's called. The tape is unraveled. So what do you do next? Anybody know what you do next? Yep, what do you use? What do you use? Yep, you go get a pencil. You go get a number two pencil, stick it in there because the shape's perfect, and you just rewind that thing back, right? Rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. Sometimes the pinky, right? Rewind, put the tape back in and hit play. See, that's what the world tells us to do. Man. The tape broke. That's all right. Don't throw the tape out. Don't get rid of the tape. Rewind that back, that bad boy thing. And then if it rips, put some tape on it. Right? And so it's the same thing with the servant is that he was living constantly with this reminder of what this person had done. He was constantly living with this reminder of how this person had offended him. Because the debt he owed him didn't even make, it didn't even come close. But what happens when you live over and over and over and over with the same pain, same bitterness, same resentment? Guess what? It grows. It multiplies. It gets bigger. And that's exactly what happened with this servant. So we see in this situation that he was so blind to the reality of his debt and the little debt that the servant owed that he literally grabs him by the neck and the servant responds with the same words that should have triggered, right? And here's what's interesting to me. Is I don't think Jesus makes any mistakes when he tells stories. The greatest storyteller ever. There's something about the grabbing of the neck. Has anybody ever seen anybody get grabbed by the neck? Or like let's just say a dog. Anybody? That's pretty scary to watch. Because when somebody grabs an animal by the neck, there is this, there is this um, I'm dominant over you. 
There is this, I have power, and you are under complete submission to my power. And so I think the servant, all that anger, bitterness, resentment was fueled and even to how he grabbed the other servant. And here's the reality, is that in your situation where you've not forgiven your father, where you've not forgiven that spouse that has, deserved, that has deserted you, where you've not forgiven that person that has betrayed you in business, every time that memory comes back and that pain, we're grabbing them by the neck. It's the exact same response. And so in unforgiveness, we have two choices. Choice number one is this. Throw the person in prison. The debt has to be dealt with, right? So we can either let the person go or we can throw the person in prison. The first start with that is, like most of us here in this room, somebody hurts us, we act like we can just ignore it, right? We'll just pretend that it didn't happen. I'll sweep it under the rug. So let's say that Steve right here, we're in the cafe, the cafe and he drops a, drops a big old chair on my foot and I get a big old laceration on there. He's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. You okay? You okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, Steve, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad. Don't worry about it. That's not a problem. And I pretend like there's no laceration on my foot and I pretend like everything is fine. That's going to work for maybe a day, right? If I keep putting on shoes and I don't treat that wound and I don't deal with it, guess what? It's going to get more painful. If I let a couple days go by, there's going to be infection. And then that nastiness and the pus and all that other gross stuff starts to happen, right? But I'm going to still go about my business. But what's going to happen day five is I'm going to walk like this. People, Phil's going to be like, Torrance, what's wrong? Oh, nothing, Phil. Everything's fine. I'm good, man. What, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. Right? Then Alex is going to say, hey, Torrance, and, you know, in two weeks, can you help me move? I'm like, ah, oh, dude, nah, man. I can't. Everything's fine. Right? And it's the same way when we harbor bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness in our life. We may pretend like everything's fine, but everybody around us knows something's wrong. Because when they get close to us and we touch that wounded area, all of a sudden, ah, that hurts. We lash out in anger. We withdraw. We hide. So it's not really hidden. It's still there. So ignore is one of the responses that we have when it comes to unforgiveness. It's been said this. this is an incredible quote. Many of you guys have probably heard this before. But unforgiveness... It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Phil, I really want you dead. I remember what you did, man. You betrayed me. I can't believe you took thousands of dollars from me in my business. It's time for you to die, buddy. It's time for you to... Doesn't make sense. But that's what unforgiveness is like because unforgiveness ultimately imprisons us. Unforgiveness ultimately kills us. Unforgiveness ultimately keeps us from our destiny and who we are in Jesus Christ. Unforgiveness keeps us stuck in the past. There's a reason why when I took driver's ed in Michigan, they explained to me very clearly, now, Torrance, this is a car. You'll notice the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror, right? Why? Because we are not designed to drive vehicles looking backwards. We're not designed to go through streets and towns looking backwards. We're designed to look through that huge windshield of our car. It's the same way with our lives. Too many of us are still in bondage to things that have happened in the past. We're trying to do life like this, acting like we're somehow moving forward. There's a reason why God wants to set people free from their past because he's calling you into a future. He's calling you into something much brighter. He's calling you into your destiny. But going into your destiny, you can't drag the past with you. There's got to be a release of the things that have happened so that you can be released to move forward. 
There's a big difference in moving forward and moving back. What God wants to release some people today from looking in the rearview mirror to looking through that windshield of the destiny that he has. And we know this. It says that the moment the servant grabbed the other by the neck, that there was a demand on his life. That is the moment that bitterness took root. Can you guys put up Hebrews for me? Hebrews 12.15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. No bitter root grows up. Somebody said it over here, that it grows, it multiplies, to cause trouble and to defile many. And that's what happened with me. I let bitterness take root, resentment take root, and the defilement was not just upon me in my life. The defilement was upon my children, my wife, those that knew me, because of my response of not forgiving and letting go of what happened to us in the situation with our son. Hebrews 12, 15 talks very clearly about that. We construct and build a prison for someone, brick by brick. So, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you've, you've offended me, Jeff, and I'm, I'm going to put you in a prison. I'm building that thing brick by brick. I, I remember when you did that, there's another brick. The minute that memory comes back up, here's another brick. Before I know it, I've got the perfect prison built. I'm just looking at that prison. But the reality is, is I've built a prison brick by brick by brick. Jeff's not in the prison. I'm in the prison. I'm in the prison in spiritual and emotional bondage. I can't get free. I've opened up doors to the enemy because of unforgiveness. Ray will tell you, one of the first things that they got to deal with or one of the things they eventually come to in order for people to get free through sozo, inner healing, deliverance, I don't care what it is. Usually, right, there's seeds of unforgiveness. There's roots of unforgiveness. Sometimes it's even back in your childhood, and that's why it's so important to ask the Holy Spirit into the picture to reveal it. Because what happens a lot of times is if it has taken root and it's defiling us, we can't even see it. It's so buried in emotional pain and emotional garbage that we've got to bring the Holy Spirit into the picture so that we can be delivered from it. That's the power that Jesus Christ wants to bring into our lives. You guys have noticed that I've been wearing these, these handcuffs up here. Uh, Phil, give me my volunteer, buddy. Come on up. Man, let us use this one. Can I use this? Phil, this is my, he was my friend until he hurt me. He was my friend until you upset me. You don't even, you don't even know it. You don't even know that we're handcuffed. You don't even know that we're chained together. And everywhere that I go, I'm dragging this guy with me. Everywhere that I go, I'm dragging this person into the situations with me. For the person that's been divorced and you have not forgiven your spouse and you want to remarry, guess what? Until forgiveness happens, you're bringing that broken relationship into the new relationship. Until forgiveness happens, I'm bringing this dead weight with me everywhere that I go. The pain that you feel from every time you meet with dad, you're dragging those memories around. I talked to somebody today, just even tonight at dinner. They haven't talked to their sister in six years. Their sister won't go see their mom, the, the broken relationship. Every time she goes to see her mom, she has to forgive over and over and over and over again. God's calling us to a place to leave choice number one, which is for me to be handcuffed to the past, to the situation, to the brokenness, to the unforgiveness. He's saying it's time for people to get free from that and embrace choice number two. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to get free, man. What do you think? 
Uh, you don't want to go home with me? Why, what are you trying to say, Phil? I'll let you take that other one off. Here's what's interesting. I got those, those cuffs today from a police officer who just had to arrest a 19-year-old girl who was drunk on her way to work at 8.30 in the morning and hit a mom and a child, and both of them were injured. So you want to talk now <laughs> about situations that the enemy uses to plant seeds of unforgiveness? What's going to be the response of that mom and that child if they have long-term injuries, long-term sustained financial damage, long-term emotional problems every time that girl gets in? Every time. That possibility of that family being handcuffed to that 19-year-old is incredible. And that's why God is raising up people who are saying, I'm, I'm ready to be free from my past. Because if you guys remember a month or so ago, talking about that God is freeing us from things so that we can go free others from the things that are holding them back. Amen? And so it could be that your situation of how you have to forgive a stepfather, how you have to forgive a spouse. Watch how God starts putting you in scenarios where you're the most qualified person to speak into that. The kingdom response is very different than the world response. The world response is rewind that situation. Rewind that person and how they offended you. God's response is very different because he tells us to forgive because you have been forgiven of so much. To whom much has been forgiven, a great forgiver is birthed out of that. That's what God's calling you to. And so in response to that, choice number two is this, is to throw the dead away. Because to forgive means to bid to depart, to bid away, or to release or send off. So it's literally like if Phil was handcuffed to me, it's like, man, it's time, brother, to let your big old body go, man. I'm tired of your 220-pound weights. Go in Jesus' name. Leave. Be gone. That's what it means to forgive is to send off, to bid, to go away, or to depart. And so that's the choice that we have. See, here's the thing about forgiveness. It's not earned. That person doesn't have to do ten steps Come around me and be nice to me ten different times before I'll say, all right, you know what, now I can trust you. Now you've been nice to me ten times. Now you, I forgive you. No, no, no. Forgiveness is, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's something that we've received. Oh, isn't that interesting? Undeserved grace from Jesus Christ. It's a gift without any requirement. No strings attached. That's why the world doesn't understand it. Why would you forgive that person? They didn't even ask for forgiveness. Why would you forgive that person? They never paid you back. That's what the world says. But we say we forgive because God has forgiven us. And we want to be in right and powerful relationships with him. Relationship with him. And that's why we forgive. So forgiveness is a gift that we give. Forgiveness is this. It's not to forget. Because a lot of people say forgive and forget. That's not true. Anybody can witness to that, right? Yeah, we still remember the situations. However, forgiveness is a choice. Because I will tell you this, for most of you in here, there's not going to be a day that you're going to wake up and say, oh, today's the day I feel like forgiving. Right? It, it is a choice. It is a choice that we make, but it's a choice that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he lives inside of us. He operates in us. The miracle that you're wanting to see happen could very well be the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to forgive and let somebody go. Of brokenness and hurt that you've carried around for such a very long time. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person's response. And here's how you'll know that you're moving into a great place of forgiveness. It's not when you just say, I forgive you. 
But when you can start praying blessings over that person. When I can start saying to that doctor, I pray blessings upon your business. When I can start saying about that doctor, I pray that you would prosper. I pray that you would go on to accolades to save many more kids. I, I, I release you of that. I pray for your family. I pray for your dreams. I pray for that you don't think about it. I pray that you don't carry the weight of that. Because unforgiveness says, I want you to live what you did the rest of your life. And so that's what forgiveness is all about. Is if I can start praying blessings on somebody, then guess what? <laughs> then, then you know, woohoo! All right, I'm free. That's that's the release that starts to happen. That's when people are saying, "Did you just say you hope they prosper?" That what? Who are you? A freak, dude? Like that doesn't even make sense, right? So that's when we know we move into that. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. You guys can put this up. Says this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. And that bear a grudge means this, is to to keep or maintain a wrongful attitude towards that other person. But rather we are to bear with each other. You guys can go to the next scripture. And this is what it says in Colossians 3. So we're not to bear a grudge, to keep or maintain a wrongful heart or intentions towards another or revenge. But instead we're to do this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Because if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord God forgave you. Here's one of the most difficult things about forgiveness and was for me and I would suspect for most of you in here. Forgiveness means resolving to live with the consequences of another person's sin. Resolving to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. That's the hard part about it, is your forgiveness of someone else may not remove the consequences. It very likely will not. And the thing that keeps us stuck in bitterness and revenge and hate is we want the consequences removed. So we go inward to somehow feel better about the consequences that we're living in when God says, no, I need you to move contrary to that in my spirit. Now, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we condone. It doesn't mean that we say that it's okay what they did. It doesn't mean that we justify what they did. No, it very well could be that you set boundaries in your life that you may never, ever see that person again. But you still pray blessings over them. You still forgive. You still let go every time it comes up. It may very well be that part of the consequences is that's a broken relationship that on this side of heaven will not be restored. And you need to protect your family. You need to protect your well-being. Those are two very different things. But there's a resolution of God, I hold on to you and I choose to hold on to you as opposed to my own agenda and as opposed to my own self. I choose to continue operating forgiveness and let go of the past. Here's in Romans 12, 19. You guys can put this one up. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay. See, God sees everything. God sees all. He is the king in Matthew 18, the king of the kingdom. There are spiritual laws that operate here in this world. There are things that God, you remember that servant was turned over, right? That it, it talks about that. He was turned over to the tormentors. And so whatever that is, that, that's not between us and that person. That's between God and that person. But it's really interesting, and I've seen this picture a lot, that with me and seeds in places of unforgiveness, I'm in there choking the person. God's trying to get in to do his thing, and I'm blocking him out. No, I got this one, God. No, I don't need you. Stay away, God. It's all right. 
Hello. God's like, would you just come over here? I got this. I love you. Right? And so it's not ours to take. It's God has got it. And that's where do we trust in a good, good father. That's where it comes down to do we trust the heart and the nature of God. And that was something that you talked about probably four, you know, four months ago. Looking at the Israelites and what kept them from going into the promised land. They, they discredited the nature of God. So do we trust the heart of God? Do we trust that God is for us? True forgiveness closes the door on the enemy and what he is desiring to do. Can you guys go to 2 Corinthians 10 11? We're almost done. It says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. So we forgive because Satan's continuously working. He's that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Unforgiveness is an open door that we don't want to let into our house. Unforgiveness is an open door that the enemy is willing to walk into. And as Ray was just attesting to you through the nodding of the head, he, he wants to set up, he wants to take residence in that area of unforgiveness. And he's not content just on that little ground. He wants to take more and more and more and more. And for those of you that have kids, let me tell you, one of the most powerful things you can do is model forgiveness to your children. One of the most powerful things you can do is be vulnerable with your children about conversations to the degree that they can handle where you have to forgive someone. One of the most powerful things that my kids love, they're like, and they sit and smile and they kind of chuckle, is when I have to go up to my wife in front of them and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Yeah, that's right, dad, messed up. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to eat humble pie and all that. But I know that what they're learning, especially my son, is that when you have wronged someone, especially your wife, and from that perspective, go to her. Go to humble yourself and go in love. This is the most loving thing that we can do. It takes real courage to forgive, guys. The world says that you're a coward, that you're weak, that somehow that you're not strong. It takes real courage to stand up and forgive people, situations, things that have happened to you. That some of you guys, maybe you've never even spoken to someone about. There's situations here in this room that are so dark that you would truthfully, you would just prefer to keep it in the dark than to bring accountability in your life and transparency and to have somebody walk you through this. I want to show you guys a video of people that have walked through many situations like many of you here in this room and, and really difficult things and how they chose not to forgive, but that wasn't the final conclusion. So let's watch this video.
have uh, Derek and the band, those guys, come up. But one of the things that you'll notice is the painful circumstances and situations of all those people as they held on to those signs. So tonight, the question is, is what, what would your cardboard sign say? If you had a cardboard sign and you were standing on the, the street corner of your life, what would your say is the most hurtful situation and circumstance and thing that has happened to you? But the more important question is not just what would that front side say about the wrong and the injustice or the betrayal or the, the thing that has happened to you that you cannot tell anybody about. But the more important question would be, what would your other side say? Would it say, I will? Would it say, I choose? Would it say, I won't be a slave any longer to that situation that I choose to forgive and that I choose to let go? Because the reality is this, is that the choice to forgive is not a one-time choice. It is not one and done. That's why Jesus opened up that parable and was talking about that you must forgive how many times? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. So what that means is every time the circumstance comes back up and you want to go and get bitter and resentful and not forgive, you choose to forgive then. Every time you see that person and the same feeling comes up, instead of going inward, you say, God, I choose, I will choose you because of the work you did upon the cross. I choose forgiveness right now in this place. And here is the reality is if that you're anything like, that, like me, and I know this is going to be very shocking, one of the most, the number one person that I had to work through this with was God. And I know we never want to talk about that, church. But him and I had to have a lot of conversations that I wasn't willing to have and that I ran to everything else because I didn't want to talk about this. I didn't want to say, God, why did you let this happen? And then hear him say, my son, I love you. I was there the whole time. I didn't want to talk about that. Where were you in this pain? He's like, if you would have just turned to me, I was right there the whole time. So I had to do some business with God. And then in reality, because of the choices that I made in my life, there was some other, another person I need to forgive after that, myself. So some of you are sitting here right now in broken situations as a result of maybe choices or things that you have done. And the person that you got to forgive is you. So tonight, I, I just ask that the Holy Spirit just does a work in your heart. I know he's already been working. And the reality is, is this, is that most people, that when they go and do counseling or any healing or work, 95% of the first people they name are their parents. They're in the top five every time. So tonight we're going to do this. We're going to do a couple of things, is that there's something powerful about stepping forward because remember, we want to move forward. We're not looking in the rearview mirror any longer. We're saying no, no to my past, no to that person that's kept me in chains for so long. I'm choosing to release them. I don't care if it's 70 times 7, 70 times 100, however many times it takes, I'm choosing that. So sometimes it means coming forward, a step forward saying I'm moving in this direction with the Holy Spirit in alignment. So we're going to, as they play the next song, if God's leading you, come forward. Because that may be the very action that you need to be released from that burden that has kept you down for so long. It could be you just need to find a quiet place or where you're at. But I also want to say this, that in this room are people that are serious about the Lord, that are serious about knowing him, that are serious about awakening to the dreams and the things that he has for them. And so here we have a group of people. We have a community. 
We have people that want to be transparent. They actually want to go there. So it could be that you need to turn and find somebody and say, you know what, this is what my cardboard sign would say. And I, guys, I need help writing the other side. I, I can't yet say I choose to forgive. I can't yet say I choose to release you. So will you pray over me? Sometimes it's just in getting it out in the open. Just that confession and just that release. But I want to tell you like this. This is a night that you don't have to stay stuck where you've been. Bitterness doesn't have to take root. Resentment does not have to take hold. You can be free from those things, free from those situations, free from the people that wronged you. And they probably don't even know or will never know that you're releasing them. They may never know, and that's okay. Because the greatest benefactor will be you. The person that gets free from that prison will be you. The person who the handcuffs come off of will be you. And you will be free to embrace where God is calling you to. So as Derek and the band continues to lead us in prayer, just as the Holy Spirit prompts you and moves upon you, just go ahead. It doesn't have to be this big thing. It can be right where you're at. Get together in groups or, or come forward. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your desire, your heart is for us and that you are not against us. We thank you, Father, that you have desire to release your children from the bondage and the prison of unforgiveness. So we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way that we choose, we make a choice to forgive. Whether it's once, twice, 70 times, seven, God, we choose to release that person, that situation, ourselves. We choose to release ourselves from sinful choices and things that we've done to say, God, we want to operate in freedom now. We want all of what you have for us, God. And so right now, Lord, all of this place, we make a choice to move with you and with your Holy Spirit and what you're doing. Release your presence over this place tonight, Father. We pray for a spirit of freedom and of liberation. We pray for a spirit of mercy and grace because we have received from God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. So as a result, we move and offering a gift to those that do not deserve it because we have received a gift that we do not deserve. In the name of Jesus.